And uh, let's pray together, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for, um, God, how in grace, Lord, you have made a way for us to have a relationship with you. Father, I thank you that um, as one that has been saved by your grace, God, that, Lord, you you have saved us for a purpose, And so, God, I thank you for the testimony of those here today that have had that time and that place where they have turned from self and sin and they have turned to you. And, Father, they have accepted you as Lord of their lives. And, God, I thank you not only for saving us for your incredible grace toward us, but, Father, that we would be reminded even through your word this morning that you have saved us for a purpose And so, God, I pray that through the text, through your word, your Holy Spirit would challenge us, stretch us, teach us. And, Father, I pray, too, for anyone who may be here today or maybe even listening online that has not begun a relationship with you, Father, that today would be the day of salvation. So, God, as we open your word today, I pray that you would work in a mighty, mighty way. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it is so good to see you this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you'll join me in Colossians chapter 1, and uh, we're going to continue our study through the book of Colossians, this letter uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young church in a city called Colossae. Uh, This was a young church, but it was a thriving church. Um, Even as Paul started this letter out, he says it's to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ, in Colossae, that this young church uh, had a has strong faith in Christ Jesus. They had a strong love for one another. Uh, the Bible tells us about their hope that they had and how they're bearing fruit and how they're growing. And that this is God's design for his church. That it would thrive and that it would grow. And, and then at the same time, you have this young church that is thriving and growing. There are many pressures that are uh, laying in, leaning in on this young church, trying to hijack the gospel of Jesus, this pure gospel. And though there are these pressures, there are these cults, these false religions that are trying to creep in and hijack the gospel. And so today, in today's text, um, we are going to be reminded through the Apostle Paul to us, our lives, in that, is that we are called to be a, a servant and a steward. Now, I'm going to talk about that in just a few moments, but, but here's what I want you to think back to. For those of you who have been driving for a while, I want you to think about the first car that you ever called yours, okay? I want you to think back to your first car. Uh, for me, I inherited my dad's truck, and so, um, I mean, that truck could have been 100 years old. It wouldn't matter. It was brand new to me. You know, it didn't matter if the floors were rusted out, the paint was peeling. Like, this was, this was my car, kind of. He really owned it. He let me drive his car. But it was mine in my heart, right? It was mine. And so, I'm telling you, for at least the first solid year that I had a license and that was my truck, I bathed that truck like every single week, sometimes twice a week. I would wash that truck. I would armor all that truck. I would 
um, tire foam, the, 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 the tires. I would even get in the grooves of the wheels where it's all nasty, where like nobody cleans right. I was digging in those little greasy areas. I was rain-xing. You remember that came out? Like rain-x on the windshield. I mean, vacuuming. I waxed this car. Y'all, I'm, I'm 42, been driving for about 27 years. I have waxed a car one time in my life. And it was that truck, like on week two of owning it, okay? <laughs> like, I was so excited. I was so happy. And, and y'all, I just, I took good care of what had been entrusted to me. Like, I had this, like, this, I, I had this awe, this sense of awe, and this sense of wonder of having this vehicle that had been trusted to me to take care of. And I don't know when it happened or where it happened, but somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, I stopped caring as much. And it went from like, I'm bathing this truck, Rain-X in this truck, armor on this truck. Like, it went from that to just like, I think I need an oil change. I'm not sure. I've driven like 10,000 miles. I think I should probably go get an oil change now. It was like, what's the least I can do to care for this vehicle that, that I've been entrusted with? And, and, and so what happened was it was kind of this slow transition from having the sense of awe and wonder about what had been entrusted to my care to being this, I'm going to do as little as possible just to make sure it just runs. And what Paul is doing through our text today is he is providing a gentle reminder to the church, to those in Christ, that I love Paul because he never got over the fact that he was saved, that God saved him. And he never lost the sense of awe and wonder that Christ had called him, not only through salvation, but to serve and love the local church. And to serve and love others and point people to him. And that if you read the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament, even the last letters that he would, would have written from a prison... That it, he, you would hear the same love and fire and passion for Jesus as you would in his earliest letters. And that he, he had this great, this great sense of stewardship of what God had entrusted into his care. And here's the truth. Like if we're going to walk out of this door hanging on to a truth. This would be the truth that I, I would hope we would all be challenged by this morning. And that's this, is that we have been entrusted to invest. That we have been entrusted to invest. We have been entrusted by God to invest in others. And just so, just even so kind of out of the gate, so we all clear on this, like, I'm not, I'm, this is not for the adults in the room, okay? This is not for those who have been walking with Jesus for 50 years, this is for anybody who would say, I have been saved by the grace of God. This message is for us because we have been entrusted to invest in others. So with this passage, verse 24 through 29, there are two kind of truths that we hear rising out of this text. The first one is this, is that in Christ we are privileged to serve as both servant and steward. Because you remember... For Paul, he never lost that sense of awe about God's calling on his life. He never, he never got over being saved. He understood that when Christ saved him, that not only did he save him, 
but he has called him. And not only that he had called him into ministry, but he had gifted him for ministry. And not only that he had called and gifted into ministry, but he had entrusted the message of all messages, the gospel, into his care. And there was this expectation of this stewardship. And Paul's perspective challenges me. As I read this, because as you read the writings of Paul, you hear this brother writing from the perspective of a servant and writing from the perspective of a steward. Look at Colossians chapter one, verse 24. He says this. He says, now I this is Paul. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. He is rejoicing in his suffering for the church. Remember, this letter is written to the church in Colossae. So he's written to the saints, faithful brothers in Christ in Colossae. He's writing to the church. So this letter is for the church. It's for the church. And he is saying, I rejoice in sufferings. That Paul's joy was not based on circumstance. That, that it didn't matter if Paul was in a palace or if he was in a prison. That it did not matter because his joy rested in Christ and it was not circumstantial. Because for Paul, he had this settledness in his heart that all things, all things are for our good and for his glory. That God is in control, that he is over all things. And as we as, we as believers can, can, can rest in those two truths right there, that God is over all. That he is overall and that he would use all things for our good and for his glory. Then there is a joy that cannot be taken away. And just so we are uh, encouraged this morning is that nobody, no thing, no circumstance can take the joy of the Lord away from a believer. But we can give it away. We can give it away. A lot of times if, if there's a believer and there's a struggle in the area of joy... Is that sometimes you can trace that back to maybe a maybe a, a, a lack of communion with the Father or, or a lack of fellowship. And what I what I say by that or what I mean by that is just it's just that 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 time with the Lord through his word and through prayer that somewhere along the way that that just maybe was not as consistent and and not in a legalistic way, but just in a, I love God. So I want to spend time in you way. I want to spend time with you. And so, and so there's this broken communion. I can remember, uh, you know, growing up, I had an older sister um, and in the house. And, and I would love to say that my entire life, I've been 100% honest with my parents. Okay. Um, can anybody say that? Okay. So I don't feel bad anymore. I don't feel as bad. But, but here's the thing. I can think back. And my relationship with my father, and I love my father, I love my dad, we got a great relationship, but I can remember that if there was something in my life that I was not completely honest and truthful with my father, two things, one, nothing would change the fact that I'm his son, absolutely nothing, but the fact that I'm not open and honest with my father, and I know that there is a hurdle that is providing a barrier for my relationship with him, Guess what? I sense that. I know that. And I know the fellowship isn't what it could be. And so the encouragement then for us in our joy is that we would not allow things to become a hurdle in our relationship with the Lord. That if there's anything in our lives that doesn't honor the Lord, that we would call it what it is, that we would turn from that and that we would trust him. 
That's one way our joy can be given away. But another way is this, and this is what we're going to see through this text, is that I believe that a believer will not experience the joy of the Lord as they are designed to if that believer is not actively engaged in loving and serving through the local church. I believe there is going to be a big piece that is missing in your joy if you are not actively engaged in serving in and through the local church. For Paul, Paul found joy in suffering for Christ's sake and for the church. It was a privilege for him to suffer. He says this in Romans 5, 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And for Paul, Paul, Paul accepted this truth that suffering, the suffering that he was experiencing was a part of God's plan for his life. And he was using it to grow and build the church and further the kingdom. This would be the price tag he would pay. But he rejoices, verse 24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, the sake of the church, and in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Now, let's context, let's understand what this is not suggesting is that the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for our sin was not enough. Okay, the context of the letter would, would make completely abundantly clear that we are saved only through Christ. Okay, only through his sacrificial death and his death, burial, resurrection, that he is he is sufficient for our salvation. But what he's saying is that I'm making up what's lacking. What he's saying is, is that when you follow Jesus and that you yield your heart to him and you follow him, that it is very likely that you are going to encounter persecution, that you are going to encounter suffering. Christ had been crucified. He was placed in the tomb and he rose from the dead. But guess what? There, are, there were enemies of the cross then. There are enemies of the cross now. And these enemies could not get their hands on Jesus. So they will get their hands on anybody who would claim that they are a believer in Christ. And so this persecution, this suffering continues. And it continued in the life of Paul. But yet he's rejoicing in those sufferings. Verse 25 says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. I want you to remember that. For which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, the church, to make the word of God fully known. Paul understood his calling as a sacred stewardship. He understood it as a sacred stewardship that he was appointed by God, that he was a steward. It means to manage the language here would have been a kind of a the picture of of a of a homeowner that is going away. And so what that homeowner does is they find a manager and they they entrust that manager to manage what belongs to the owner while the owner is gone. And is that manager that is a steward of what doesn't belong to them, but what has been entrusted to them. And that as they live out their life, that they are going to steward what was entrusted to them. This role was a position of great trust and great responsibility. For Paul, Paul understood 
that his calling and his gifting and the message that he would take to the whole world, that this was a stewardship. And so as a, as a gentle encouragement reminder to all of those in Christ is that all of us have been entrusted with a sacred stewardship. A sacred stewardship that God has called you, that God has placed gifting inside of you, and that He has entrusted you the greatest message that could ever be shared with anybody, and that He has entrusted us as a steward. And that's what Paul saw himself. He saw himself as a steward of God's grace. And he never grew weary. Like he never got over it. I want you to think about your journey in the Lord. I realize some people have been walking with Jesus for years and years and years. Maybe some are brand new Christians. And so along that journey, I think of myself and that truck that I got. And how proud I was of that. And how, how much energy and time I invested in that thing. This was mine, um, kind of. <laughs> this was, uh, I was the manager. I was the steward. And so I did all those things. But somewhere along the way, it just kind of like, you know, I'm going to maintain. And you think about this in the context of the believer's life. Is that if we go back to that time when we were saved by God's grace and we were awakened to the sense of all that God would save us. And not only that God would save us, but He has called us to ministry. That He has gifted us for ministry. And He has entrusted the message of the gospel into our lives to be a steward of that. May we go back to that to that sense of awe and wonder and not lose, not lose sight of that. And for Paul, he never did. He never grew weary. In other words, Paul, Paul had to do what God made him to do. He had to do it. He was a servant. He was a steward. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2 says, This is how one should regard us. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. He said, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ, and as stewards of the mysteries of God, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 16 and 17, he says, For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, for if I do, if I do this on my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with the stewardship. In other words... Paul had this, this, this sense of awe and wonder that God had, had entrusted him to serve him, but also to be a steward of what God had entrusted to him. And, and, and that he would not lose sight of that stewardship. And I think that's the encouragement. One of the encouragements for us this morning is that we've been entrusted to invest. That we've been entrusted to invest. Paul, can you imagine Paul? Let's imagine, like, fast forward, Paul comes to Olive Branch and he starts looking for a church to go to. Okay, first of all, I think Paul would be starting a church somewhere um, because that's what he did. He was a church planter. He was always just going, testing the limits, stretching the boundaries, serving Jesus with reckless abandon, starting churches, planting churches. I love that. But let's imagine Paul is like, well, I'm planning to plant a church, but before I do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go around. I'm going to find a church to be a part of, okay? And let's say Paul comes here. The Apostle Paul comes to our church. Do you, do you imagine Paul coming in and, and sitting through the service and saying something like this? I wonder what I can get out of this church. <laughs> can you see him kind of walking in through a, pre, through a perspective and being like, I'm going to see how this church can serve me. I think, I think it would be quite the opposite. I think Paul, if he were to attend a local church, that he would sit and he would, he would hear that word. 
And he would, he would be reminded of that stewardship that God had entrusted to him. That calling, that gifting, that message. And I believe that he would be like setting a, a, a meeting up with whomever the next day. Or maybe, hey, do you have time for lunch? And they go out for lunch and they're like, hey, here's how God's wired me. Here's how God's gifted me. And, and just show me where to plug in and serve because I love the local church. I have to be pouring in to the local church. I love the church. Christ loved the church. Ephesians 5.25, this, this wasn't planning to say this, but, but anytime I have the privilege of, of marrying somebody or walking, um, well, I'm married to my wife, not, not married to somebody, but, but have a privilege to walk alongside, alongside couples that are getting married. Um, I'll say greatest marriage advice ever, Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church. Christ gave his all for the church. And this is how Paul, this is how Paul rejoiced in his sufferings for the church. He was for the church. He understood that he had been entrusted to invest, that he was privileged to serve as a servant and a steward. But the second truth is that in Christ, we have been entrusted to invest the gospel to all people, to all people. Verse 25, Colossians 1 says, for which I became a minister according to the stewardship of from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Paul had this, had this sense of awe that God had commissioned him to go and teach. And doesn't that sound a lot, or, or, like very, very familiar to Matthew chapter 28. When Jesus gathered his disciples on that Galilean mountainside after his resurrection. And he says this, he says, I want you to go and I want you to. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe everything that I've commanded. You see the heart of a disciple maker in Paul. He was a minister according to the stewardship of God that was given to him to make the word of God fully known. Verse 26 says, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints... To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery hidden for ages and generations. Paul's not talking about some kind of secret teaching here, okay? That was actually one of the, the local cults that were trying to lean in and hijack the gospel message. This was actually one of their teaching the Gnostics would teach. That it is impossible for you to have a relationship with God unless you attain to a special knowledge that is only reserved for a select people that can attain that. And for everybody else, guess what? You're out of luck. Sorry. It's for the intellect. Listen, what Paul's not talking about is this hidden secret. What he's talking about is remember, we do not have, they do not have the New Testament in their hands as of yet. And so what Paul's talking about here is that every single book of the Old Testament points forward to the Messiah, points forward to Jesus. The whole Old Testament is about Jesus. It's pointing people to his incarnation, his death, burial, and resurrection. And what Paul is saying is now this mystery has been revealed. Christ has come Christ has lived a perfect, sinless life. A life that we could never live on our own. That He was crucified on a cross to pay the price for our sin. And He was placed in the tomb. And that He rose from 
the dead. This was the gospel message through Him and through Him alone. You can be forgiven and have a relationship with Him and that He has gifted you and called you for ministry, for His glory and for His fame, for His mission and to spend all eternity with Him. And it's not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles. In other words, it's for every single person. The gospel is for all people. And here is one of the most profound Truths in Scripture, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. For those in Christ, that God not only saves us, but He gifts us His presence through the Holy Spirit to indwell our lives as believers so that we can, by His grace, live a life that brings honor and glory to Him. This was the hope of glory, the fact that Christ indwells all believers is the source and the hope of our glory. Ephesians 1, 13-14 says, In Him, Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. And so, all of this, I, I forget who I was talking to earlier before service, but guess what? We have... <laughs> We have so much to look forward to. We have so much to look forward to. That for those in Christ, that we look ahead and we look forward to eternal glory with our Father forever and ever and ever and ever. And yet in the meantime, Christ has gifted us with the power of His presence through the Holy Spirit. And He's entrusted us with a calling, with a gifting, and with a message to share with the world that desperately needs it. And in verse 28, Colossians 1, he goes on to say, Him, speaking of Christ, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There's his goal. There's his goal. His goal. There would be a public proclamation that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so as believers, we are called to publicly profess Christ. That there will be encouraging, there will be warning, there will be imparting truth and wisdom. But he had a clear target. That he served and he stewarded what God had entrusted to him and put in him to make disciples. That to see people accept Christ as Lord and Savior is amazing. Is the most important decision that anybody would ever make. But that is not the finish line. And that if they follow in obedience to believers' baptism, and we celebrate that, that is not the finish line. That is the starting gate, okay? Is that, that we, have, we have been entrusted. We, the church, have been entrusted to share with others, invest in others, and that Paul had this goal to present, to present the church mature. In other words, growing in Christ in their relationship. And so I think about this stewardship as... A believer of Christ. I think about the stewardship of, 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 of being a husband. I think about the stewardship of being a dad. I think about the stewardship. And, 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 and here's the thing. Is that God has called me to be an investor. I've been entrusted to invest. And that investing God's word to grow disciples in my home. In our community. But, but here's the thing. This can sound overwhelming. But here's some encouraging news for you. Look at verse 29. He says, for this, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully 
works in me. This is not in my own wisdom or my own strength. It is in the grace and strength of God and his wisdom that we invest. Paul had that clear target. His teaching was emphatic. This maturing, this growing will not happen apart from the word of God. I love 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. Paul says, all scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is way more than just information. That this was designed for our transformation. There's a, a friend of mine that's here today. His name is Mr. Jim, and I'm not going to draw attention to him. Uh, but I asked him if it would be okay if I shared this with him. My bride and I were hanging out in Old Town, uh, walking through antique shops, and I had the, the, the privilege of walking into the shack, which is one of the antique stores, and, and Mr. Jim uh, is, is the, the owner of that antique store, and we began talking and, and began to talk about Christ and about the Word, and he looked at me, he said, uh, and I don't remember so many words, but he was like, as you, as you open the Word, do you see it as information? Or do you see it as transformation? Do you just see it as, 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 as an opportunity to kind of load up on some good facts that are absolutely true? Or do you see it as the living, breathing, active Word of God to change your heart and mold you more and more into the image of Jesus? And so the Bible, the Word of God, is an essential part of our lives. And he says in verse 29, he says, For this I told to present the church others Mature in Christ, I toil, struggling with all his energy. That means that you work to the point of exhaustion. I want you to think about that. When was the last time you were so tired that you just laid out? You're like, I can do absolutely nothing else. This is the picture. And it's not a picture of earning or working salvation or to keep good grace. Like, that's not the picture. The picture is, I love this church so much for Paul. That I toil to the point of exhaustion to pour into others for the glory of God and for the mission of God. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works in me. There's the power. There's the power. It's not Paul's power. It's Christ's power living in him. I think back even just a few weeks ago as we were walking through Colossians 1. 9 through 11, listen to this. It says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power. There it is. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. There's the joy. And so, we do not go about this in our own strength, our own wisdom, but we walk yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. And this was Paul's aim. This was Paul's aim. Paul was not a casual attender. Paul was absolutely sold out to Jesus, and he understood that he had a stewardship entrusted to him to invest. And so... As we wrap up this morning, I want to just kind of challenge us in a couple ways. Uh, and I say us because uh, as I've just read, studied, prepared, it's very convicting to see just this warrior for the Lord, Paul, and his heart. But, but one question would be this, is what would it look like to approach your relationship to God and your relationship with others as a servant? 
Now, Paul didn't let people run over him. Okay, I'm not, I'm not recommending that. I'm not saying that. But yet, Paul's perspective was that of a servant. That he rejoiced in suffering for the church. That, that this, this was not Paul's will. This was God's will for his life. And so, so for, for Paul, he had this approach of servanthood. And I want you to think about what it might look like to approach every relationship you have as a servant. I want you to think about what it would be like if you began your morning acknowledging in Christ that you are a servant of God. Christ said, I did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. Mark 10, 45. This was his call. One of my mentors, love, love this man. One of my mentors told me, he was talking about his prayer time in the morning, and he said, he said Jared, he said, every, every morning when I wake up, I say, in prayer, I say, here I am, Lord, reporting for duty. Like, like his, his whole thing was, I'm, I'm a servant. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start my day in the Word, acknowledging your leadership in my life, and I'm here to serve. Show me your way. A second question would be, where do your passion and your gifting intersect? What would it look like to serve Christ and invest the gospel in others through your passion and gifting? Every single one of us are unique. We're unique. We're not all Pauls. We don't need to be Pauls. We need to be us. That's how God made us. And when He saved you, He gifted you. He called you to ministry. This isn't for like preachers and, and staff people. Like We're all called to ministry. Okay? And, and, and the Word teaches us that we've been gifted. We've been gifted to serve. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts. These are enablements for service to help others and to invest in others. In 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, he says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Remember 1 Corinthians 4, 1, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. And it's only going to be, it's only going to be as every single person in the body of Christ, every single person in the body of Christ assumes their responsibility as assigned by God, that's that stewardship, within the body, can the body function and grow as God has intended us to grow. It takes every single believer. And so here's something fun I want to encourage you to do through the week. I, wanna, I want you to think about how God has wired you. I want to think about how God has made you. And I want to ask you this question. What are you passionate about? Like, what do you get excited about? Like, it might not like, be exciting for other people, but for you, like, it is exciting. What are you passionate about? Okay, I want you to think about the answer to that question. And then I want you to ask this question. How has God gifted me? Because even in 1 Peter, we see there are some that are speaking gifts, some are serving gifts. I mean... God gifts us as believers, but the question is, how has God gifted you? And then I want to ask you this question. Where does your passion and your gifting intersect? But because it might be that spot that is literally your kingdom sweet spot. Like, I don't know how many golfers we have in the house, but, but uh, I'm not a golfer. I'm very bad. I like to play, but there's a difference in hitting the ball and hitting the sweet spot. And it's hitting the sweet spot that makes you keep wanting to play. <laughs> All right? But here's the thing. Your gifting 
and your passion? Where does that intersect? Because that might be the very place that God wants to use you for His glory and for His mission. Because He has entrusted you with a calling. He has entrusted you with a gifting. He's entrusted you with a message. And there is a stewardship that He has entrusted us with. And may we be reminded of that this morning. This divine stewardship. Gifting plus passion is our kingdom sweet spot. And let me just say this. When you find a believer serving in their passion and their gifting, look out. <laughs> look out. Look out in a good way. Because what you see is what people are made and born to do. What God has made them to be and do. And so my encouragement is this. is If you find yourself a part of the body of Christ, but maybe for whatever reason, there hasn't been that step into ministry. May this be a week where you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and show you how He's wired you and gifted you to serve because He wants to use you in great ways for His glory and for His mission. And last thing I would say is this letter has been to the church. It's been to those in Christ. And so there would just be this encouragement, whether you're here in person or listening online, is that has there ever been a time and a place in your life where you have acknowledged your need for Jesus and you have acknowledged your need for Him and you've repented of your sin and you place your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone for salvation? And there is no greater day than today. And there's no greater moment than, than right now. And let me tell you, this is the starting point to an incredible life of living on mission for God's glory and for His mission. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for this letter. God, I thank You so much for the passion of Paul. That it could have been super easy for Paul to say, I'm in a Roman prison, I'm really, really far away, I'm just going to sit here. No, he is writing letters to the local church, encouraging them, spurring them on. Encouraging them in the mission, reminding all of us in Christ that we are a steward. That God has called us, He has gifted us, He has equipped us with this message. And the design is that we would share this with others, that we have been, uh, God, we have been entrusted to invest in others. So Father, may we be awakened to that. Maybe we go back to that day when we were saved and then we were in awe and wonder of what Christ has done in our lives and that we wanted to serve His church and serve Him and serve others. That God, that there is an army here and that army is the body of Christ and that we would be awakened to our calling and gifting in this message. And Father, that we would serve the local church and serve those who desperately need Jesus. And see you do a mighty, mighty work. May we be servants. May we be stewards. And may we be reminded of this incredible message. I pray for the believers in the room. Who maybe feel unqualified. To which I would say, join the club. <laughs> I'm with you. It's a humbling thing. That God would allow us to serve Him. But that's what He's called us to do. And it's not in our strength and our power. It's in His glorious might. It's in His power at work within us. God, help us to be an investor. Help us to be disciple makers. 
But God, I pray even for that believer who maybe has been kind of sitting, that this may be an encouragement to step into ministry. And Father, I do pray right now for anyone who may be apart from a relationship with you, that even in this moment, God, that they would acknowledge their need for you and your love for them. And that you love them so much, the Bible says, that you gave your one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. That today would be the day where they acknowledge their need for you, turn from self and sin, and accept you as Lord. Father, I pray today would be the day of salvation. So God, would you work in our lives? Would you stir us up? And would you do a mighty work through your local church and give us a heart for your local church, and to serve through the local church. God, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.